When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody, episode 64 of the podcast at Assuming America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast presented by Bedford Sportsbook. It is Friday, February 10th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope you're ready for the FFE. The fun Friday edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, and boy, oh boy, is it a fun one. Here's what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open the bombshell in college sports late Thursday. Texas, Oklahoma, coming to an SEC stadium near you sooner than we thought. Scheduled for 2025, now it is 2024. We'll talk about that, all of the moving parts, all of that good stuff. From there, take a quick break. We will welcome on a special guest. My old buddy, Nick Coffey. If you remember, if you are, have been around for the Aaron Torres pod since day one, Nick Coffey was essentially a co-host with me on this show. And he obviously, he got a new opportunity in work. He wasn't able to join me. That's really where this became kind of a solo monologue show. Well, he'll come back. We'll talk some hoops. Take a quick break. From there, we will wrap with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Oh, by the way. Also going to give out my Super Bowl pick at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, by the way, a lot of fun stuff. That's probably where we'll cover a lot of the NBA stuff of the last couple days. Uh, I, I didn't want to do a big segment on KD, Kyrie, whatever, but we will cover it in Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. It's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a really fun show. Really excited to discuss it all with you. With that said, though, as the kids often say, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll be blunt, didn't know as of about 7, 7.30, 7.45 Eastern Time. What am I going to talk about on the Friday Aaron Torres pod? Got a great interview to end the show with Nick Coffey. Got Aaron right, Aaron wrong, all that good stuff. But what are we going to lead the show with? Well, then my old buddy Ross Dellinger, he's not really my buddy. He seemed like a very nice guy. Had him on the show once to promote his book. I do not know him at all. But he's a very great reporter, and he breaks the story that has been in the works for weeks, okay? So Texas and Oklahoma, we find out now about 18 months ago at SEC Media Days in 2021 that they plan on leaving the Big 12 for the SEC, 
And ever since then, it's kind of been this back and forth of when is it going to be? They can't get out of the contract till 2025. They want to leave earlier. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Well, on Thursday night, Ross Dellinger, and I believe he was the first one, reported that it is in fact happening and it is going to happen a year ahead of schedule. But here's the catch. Texas and Oklahoma are going to pay the Big 12 a combined $100 million. That's like a Dr. Evil $100 million. Like that's a Dr. Evil $100 million to leave the Big 12 for the SEC. And when they say it just means more, apparently it just means more of a big check you're writing to these other leagues to get out of your contract. And so let's get into it. Let's give you the details. Let's break down as much as we can right here, because I think this is kind of a fascinating behind-the-scenes college sports story that there's a lot of layers to, okay? And so what I would say is that, as I often say on this show, two things in life can be true, and what I also say on this show is that we have to adjust our opinions on things as more information comes out. And you can go back, it's still in the archives, to the day that Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. And at the time, I said, I'll be blunt, guys and girls. They, they're they going to want to get out of this contract before 2025, and I don't see any way the Big 12 lets them do it. Because so much of the Big 12's revenue is produced by Texas and Oklahoma football specifically. So my thought was, at the time, they're going to suck every last dollar out of this Texas-Oklahoma money train to make sure that they make the most revenue possible before they let them move on. Here's what has happened, though, since that day at SEC Media Days a few years ago when Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving for the Big 12. Or that was where it broke. I think they officially announced it a week or so later. But a lot has happened since then. I think, one, the Big 12 is largely stabilized, right? So you go back to that day. And it was chaos, college sports, where are we going, all that good stuff. But think about what the Big 12 has done since then. They have added four teams. Now, are they Texas and Oklahoma? No, they're not Texas and Oklahoma. But BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, Central Florida, and Houston are all really good football programs. They're not Texas and Oklahoma when Texas and Oklahoma reach their ceiling, but they're really good. The Big 12 has hired a new commissioner, Brett Yormark, who is a sharp, sharp, sharp guy, and we'll get into it. And I think most importantly, college sports as a whole has changed since that day at SEC Media Days in 2021 when Texas and Oklahoma said they were leaving. Think about what's happened post-Texas, Oklahoma, announcing they're leaving the Big 12. One, two schools where I live have decided to join the Big 10. USC and UCLA are leaders and legends now. They're tied to the hip with Purdue and Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois. Now, there's some big brands as well, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, whatever. But USC and UCLA have moved. And so college sports has changed. But here was the big thing. And this was when I started to think that Texas and Oklahoma would, that not only would the Big 12 let them out, that they would actually want them out before that 2025 deadline. The big news came Labor Day last week, last year, excuse me, when we found out that we are now going to have a 12-team college football playoff. And we can agree or disagree whether we should, shouldn't, is 12 enough, is 12 too much, whatever. But we got the 12-team college football playoff, and we got the six automatic bids to the 12-team college football playoff. So if you think about it, remember, 12-team college football playoff, six automatic bids to the six best conferences in the in college football. 
And so what always struck me was this is going to happen in 2024, okay? So post-college football playoff expanding, you're still going to have Texas and Oklahoma in the league. Here's the problem if you're the Big 12. If you're the Big 12, you have stabilized. You have added four teams. You have a new commissioner. And most importantly, you've signed a new TV deal. And so the worst possible thing that could happen to the Big 12, beyond just Texas and Oklahoma leaving, that's done, they're not coming back, is that what you don't want is to go into year one of that college football playoff expansion to 12 teams and Texas or Oklahoma absolutely dominate and earn your college football playoff berth because that is literally the worst thing that could happen to you, right? You spend all these years stabilizing this conference, all this time getting your ducks in a row, getting ready for the post-Texas Oklahoma years. Now imagine if Texas goes 12-0, and destroys everybody in your league and goes to the college football playoff, and then they leave for the SEC the following year. It's a bad look for the league. It's a bad look for the 12 teams that are remaining. And so I always believe that the Texas-Oklahoma camps wanted this done. And increasingly, over the last probably two or three months, I kind of thought the Big 12 wanted it done. And it got to be reported that the Big 12 did kind of want them out before 2025. The holdup, and I say this as somebody who I work for Fox Sports Radio, so let's get that out of the way. I work for the radio station. I work for Fox Sports Radio. I don't work for Fox TV. And I certainly don't have the ears of anybody important enough to make these big decisions. But I bring it up because what has been the holdup the last month or so is that the two TV networks are trying to figure out financially how does it make sense, right? Because if you're Fox and you own the Big 12 TV rights, you don't just want to give away a bunch of Texas-Oklahoma games. That's not what you want to do. You want to keep them contractually obligated as long as possible. So over the last couple months, everyone's been trying to figure out a way to make sure that the TV partners under the current Big 12 contract with Texas and Oklahoma in it are financially compensated. There had been talk that Texas and Oklahoma would play road games in Big 12 stadiums to kind of appease that. Maybe Texas goes and plays at TCU or Oklahoma at Kansas State or Texas at Iowa State or whatever in the post-SEC world where Texas and Oklahoma are in the Big 12. That was the original proposal. That did not work. So now we just get that flat fee of $100 million. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't know where that money's coming from. I don't know if the SEC is going to subsidize it. Um, from Ross Dellinger's report, it does not appear as though Texas and Oklahoma will be fully vested when they get to the, the SEC. In other words, they're not going to be a full partner getting full TV revenue. But what became increasingly clear was that everybody wanted Texas and Oklahoma out in 2024. Texas and Oklahoma, the Big 12, the SEC obviously wanted them, but it was about getting the money right with the TV partners, which apparently they did. When you write a check for $100 million, that's going to quiet a lot of doubts. So that's how it all came about. Now I think we get to talk about the ripple effects from it. And let me just say this. Have we really taken the time to think about how awesome it's going to be to have Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC? Now, I get that Oklahoma is going in the wrong direction under Brent Venables. And to his credit, he recruited well, portal well, all that good stuff. So maybe they get it figured out. Texas has been Texas. They appear to be on an upward trajectory. Won eight games this year. Quinn Ewers back next year. Arch Manning coming in. But even if they're not great, just think about what those two brands coming to this league means. Just think about the fact that Texas played at Arkansas a few years ago. Sam Pittman's hogs smacked them around. It was one of the best road environments in college football that I saw all last year. 
So you have that element of it. You have the fact that just think about the games that we're going to get in the next few years. Texas at Georgia, Georgia at Oklahoma, Oklahoma at Florida, Alabama at Oklahoma. Oh, by the way, Texas, Texas A&M, it's going to happen at some point. The Longhorns are going to go to College Station. The Aggies are going to go to Austin. Georgia, Florida, LSU, Auburn, now Texas, Oklahoma. It's going to be great. Have you thought about how awesome it's going to be? What I would also say is in terms of the ripple effects, this does expedite the process of figuring out what SEC football looks like going forward. Now, again, this is the big question that's next, right? Everyone's wondering what happens. We have right now, we have obviously the two divisions, right? The East and the West. Um, And the question becomes, do we keep the two divisions? Do we have Texas and Oklahoma in the West? Does somebody go East? Do we have a situation where we do four, four team pods? But then also there's the other situation as well. Do we stick with eight SEC regular season games or with two new teams? Do we add a ninth? If you add the ninth, and I've talked about this many times, but it sets up what's called the six, three scheduling model. It means that you keep three annual rivals, but here's the cool part. So if you're say Tennessee, you get Georgia, Florida, and Alabama every year. That's just hypothetical. I don't know if those would be the teams, Vanderbilt, Florida, and Georgia. Okay. Whatever you get those three teams every year. But if under the 6-3 model, here's what's cool. You would get all of the other SEC teams at home within a two-year, within a four-year cycle, and you would play every team in a two-year cycle. So if you're, say, I think Georgia and Texas A&M have played one time since Texas A&M got to the SEC in 2012, I think was the year. Well, under the 6-3 model, Texas A&M would have their three annual rivals, probably Texas... Oklahoma and maybe LSU. I don't know. They'd have their three annual rivals, but then they would play every other team six in one year, six in another. That's 12 overall. Plus the other three that you're playing annually. That means you're playing every team in the league every other year. And then here's the cool part in a four year cycle. You play every team in your home and road venue every other year. So Texas A&M, I don't believe has ever hosted Georgia since they got to the sec. Well, now Georgia's coming to College Station once every every four years. You're playing Georgia once every two years. It eliminates divisions. It helps with, say, an Ole Miss or an Arkansas that always has the schedule stacked against them, where a, a South Carolina or a Vanderbilt always has a schedule stacked for them. So it's an interesting scenario. I believe this is the next step. When the ADs and coaches get together in June, my guess is that they set up the 6-3 model, which means that you'll be playing every opponent every other year except for your three rivals. Really quickly, a couple other thoughts. One from the actual on-the-field football perspective. You know who the two biggest losers were on Thursday with this news? Steve Sarkeesian and Brent Venables. Because I think at the end of the day, now listen, I think Steve Sarkeesian being a year ahead, I think Texas was a little bit ahead on NIL. They're probably in a little bit of a better position to jump into the SEC right now. Top five recruiting class in 2022, 2023, excuse me. Top five recruiting class in 2022. Um, So they've got a couple classes stacked. Young offensive line. Post-NIL world, they have really stacked up in the trenches. Um, Young quarterback with Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning coming in. Arch Manning brought some really high-profile players with him. So, But I still think if if you really gave Steve Sarkeesian some truth serum, if you really got him to be honest, 
I'm guessing that he probably would have liked one more year in the Big 12 to build this roster to get some, uh, you know, games against, I don't know, Kansas and, and whoever, as opposed to jumping into the SEC. I also think Brent Venables, it's the same thing, right? Because Brent Venables is, whether you agree or disagree about how big the rebuild was, because Oklahoma fans are trying to tell you they had to tear this thing down and build it up from Lincoln Riley, even though Lincoln Riley, all he did was win Big 12 titles except for his final year. But Brent Venables, to his credit, has done a great job in recruiting. Um, this past cycle, really good class, top 10 class. This was his first full cycle. They did really good in the portal, a lot of guys up front. But I still think if Brent Venables had his druthers, he would have loved another year to build up these rosters. And then finally, from the basketball perspective, I'll just say this really quick. I think there's a reasonable chance that neither of the coaches at Texas and Oklahoma ever coaches a game in the SEC. Obviously, at Texas, we'll see what happens with Rodney Terry. I think he's doing an unbelievable job with this program right now. But I don't know if his future is as the Texas head coach. I don't know if they're going to replace him no matter what he does. I don't know what he has to do to keep that job. And then Porter Mosier at Oklahoma. He's struggling. The rumor on the street is he is trying to angle his way into the Notre Dame job. He's got a huge buyout in his contract. Maybe uh, Oklahoma gets some money from Notre Dame to help pay their $50 million or whatever they got to pay to the SEC. But I would be surprised. I, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say I'd be surprised. I think it's not inconceivable that neither Texas or Oklahoma is even has the same head coach now that they will when they enter the Big 12, enter the SEC in 2024. But those are kind of my immediate reactions. I'll just say this, man. Listen, I'm not a Texas fan. I'm not an Oklahoma fan. I just think it's going to be so cool, though. I wish it hadn't happened. I like the regionality of the SEC. I know AM fans probably aren't happy to have Texas back in your backyard. But, man, think about some of those games. Texas, think about how great Alabama at Texas was this year. Now realize Alabama at Texas is going to happen once every four years. Texas at Alabama is going to happen once every two years. Plus all the rivalries, it is going to be great. It's just going to be awesome. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I am so excited. But Texas and Oklahoma are now officially in the SEC as of 2024, a year ahead of schedule. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. When I come back, my buddy Nick Coffey is going to join me. Nick Coffey is a radio host in Louisville. Um, he and I go back for years. I've been on his show forever and he used to essentially co-host this show with me early on. You could probably find those episodes archived somewhere. Good friend. We talk a lot of college hoops, the state of things in Louisville, the state of things in Kentucky. Why does the ACC stink so much? Uh, we got to, we talk about a lot. Take a quick break. Nick coffee will join me. We will be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know their story started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,200 shops in the UK. And Betfred has come to the US and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres Media, but what I love about Betfred is they do more for their customers than anybody else in the sports betting space. And here is the great news. Here is the great news. Two pieces of great news, actually. One, the Betfred Sportsbook in Las Vegas is officially open at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Make sure to check it out there in Vegas. It's officially open, ready to go. It is going to be awesome. Two, big game coming this weekend. And here's the good news. Nobody takes care of their customers like Betfred, as I told you. And here is the crazy part. If you bet 50 
on any game, but there's a big one on Sunday. You already know who's playing. Betfred will give you up to a thousand dollars, eleven hundred eleven dollars in free bets. As a matter of fact, let me explain how it happens. Here's what you got to do: go to the Betfred Sportsbook app, download the Betfred Sportsbook app, place any bet for at least fifty dollars. You automatically get one hundred eleven dollars in free bets. But here's the best part: you then get up to two hundred dollars a week in insurance for the first five weeks that you are part of the Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. So in other words, you bet, you lose up to $200. Betfred will refund you for up to five weeks. It doesn't get better than that. So thank you to Betfred Sportsbook. They are the presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Podcast, all things Aaron Torres Media. Bet 50 on any game, including the big one this weekend. Get up to 150 in, or excuse me, did I say 100? Eleven hundred and eleven in free bets. Thank you again to the Betfred Sportsbook. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Joining me via Zoom, as promised, uh, long time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply time friend of the Aaron Torres pod one time co-host a long this was two shifts ago for you now so you used to host like middays and we used to basically go every you know we'd we, you'd be on the show basically you were the co-host like two three times a week whatever we were doing at the time uh then you went to mornings and so you kind of disappeared for a while but now Coffee and Co. from 3 to 6 Eastern time on Sports Talk 790 in Louisville. So now you got all day to talk to your boy Torres, just like the old days. What's up, man? That's right. This is uh, 
it is wild to, to have you lay it out like that. I've held all three day parts essentially at this station that I've worked for in the last uh, going on eight years now. So, uh, yes, as you said, big, uh, big longtime friend and and somewhat contributor to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So happy to be back. And uh, yeah, definitely the schedule change has uh, has freed me up more so. So good stuff. All right, we're going to be doing this uh, more often now. But real quick, so, you know, you like me, you love college hoops. You know, you were the sickos that watch the regular season. By the way, before we start, any off-season college football hot takes that you're, like, dying to get out? I mean, I still try to talk football whenever it's relevant, but this feels like the first week or so that there really hasn't been much to discuss. Yeah, with college football, I mean, I hate to make it so uh, – tied to what I what we do here in, in the Louisville area, but I just cannot believe Cincinnati wanted to hire Scott Satterfield. <laughs> I mean, we it used to be a rival, and I don't think we can ever view them as a rival anymore because we'll forever be in debt to them. And look, Jeff Brown may not work out here. I think he will. He seems to certainly understand what it takes for Louisville football to be, you know, not elite, but back to where we want to be and and not stuck in mediocrity like Scott Satterfield. But it could not have played out perfect. You don't go get a coach from the Big Ten this day and age, unless he has the connections that Jeff Brom has. I mean, he just took Purdue to the Big Ten championship game, and uh, timing was not ideal the last time around, but uh, it still doesn't seem real that, uh, that, that that it's all worked out the way that it did, but it's all because Cincinnati. So that, and I've just been fascinated by the Jaden Rashada NIL story because sure. it clear, I mean, it's it, it, it to me is what it's shown is that there's really – a market that people think exists, but I'm not sure that, that it really does. So NIL has been fascinating to me. It's been frustrating for me because I, I think it's fine that kids get a piece of the pie and they can be paid. Look, if somebody's going to pay you what you're owed or pay you what they think you're worth, then technically by definition, that's what you're worth. But it, it is, it's probably the most talked about thing in college athletics that I still don't think anybody truly knows what the hell it actually is. So that's been frustrating, but it has certainly given us some entertainment when it comes to sports with all these deals we're hearing about. And now the NCAA may try to enforce it with just hearsay. So uh, it's a circus, no doubt. Well, it's great because it's like, uh, you know, we are recording the day that Kevin Durant got traded, but it is almost like the NBA, like the rumor season in the NBA. Like that's kind of college football is like, Jaden Rashada got this. Uh, Nick Saban's complaining about that. This coach did a call out that coach, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So um, I'm enjoying it. It gives me something fresh to talk about every day at a time that's kind of slow. Uh, I want to talk about college hoops, though. Um, and just let me let me ask you a simple question. What the hell's up with the ACC, man? Why? Like, so I, I saw a stat now that the advanced metrics say that it is now the seventh best conference behind the big 12 big 10 big east sec pac 12 and the mountain west steve alford steve alford out in nevada running laps around john shire and hubert davis so what's going on because um it's just wild right like a show like this i try to cover the national landscape north carolina might be an nit team duke has been pretty uninteresting Louisville, we'll talk about later, is just a disaster. And I think Syracuse is, frankly, a disaster as well. Um, the programs that you need to be good aren't good, definitely not great. You know, you cover this stuff 365. What do you got? Man, I, I've been talking about this building in, in for years, honestly, since 2000 and, 2020, the year that kind of everybody forgets about because COVID just happened and we didn't have a postseason. It's kind of a very forgotten season of college basketball. Um, but that was the year it started to really decline to where 
you know, Louisville going from the Big East to the ACC, there was no, I mean, it was, it actually, you, you, you didn't have any real change in competition. You just week in and week out, you were in, in a four game stretch. There's a really good chance that you were going to play three games in that four game stretch against teams that were going to give you a chance to get an, an addition to your resume where you can really build it. And then it was in 2020 where you look around and a lot of these teams just weren't, you know, the, the bottom of the league had gotten really bad and the elites of the, you know, of the league weren't as good as everybody thought they were. So look, it, I'm not surprised to see that it is a, a little bit. It takes you just to see that Ken Palm ranking where they are behind the mountain West and, and, and the PAC 12 and all that. I mean, it, to see that it is a little surprising, but as someone who has been talking about it for the last couple of years, the league is, I mean, I, the league stinks. I mean, this year, I mean, Clemson's one of your best teams. They have two quad four losses. Um, Syracuse, as you mentioned, is a mess. Uh, Duke and Carolina. I mean, Duke is going to make the tournament. Carolina is absolutely a bubble team right now. Uh, Virginia is good. But do we really think Virginia is is one of these elite teams that, that can win the national championship this year? I mean, they may just because it's wide open. But what it comes down to, man, is coaches. You know, it, it, you look at the SEC that, in my opinion, has done the exact opposite. Ten years ago, the SEC, there was no real investment in, in college basketball in, in that conference. And then they realized, OK, you know what? We actually have a lot of money. This SEC, this SEC network thing is really working out. Let's invest in some coaches. And now they top to bottom have the best coaches in the game. And they have a really, really good league. The ACC, you know, the, the legends like Roy and Kay, they stepped aside and, you know, I'm not saying Hubert Davis and John Shire are going to be terrible coaches, but, you know, they're clearly not Roy and not Kay, and nobody was going to be. And then Bayheim's holding that program hostage. Louisville, I mean, they are, in fact, I mean, keep this in mind, Aaron, Louisville's the worst team among Power Six conferences in the worst conference. In fact, worse than um, a non-Power Six, which is the Mountain West. So um, I, I don't know how it gets back. I think what it's going to take is – investment right go get some of the best coaches but are you going to be able to as a league to go pluck I mean Nate Oates at Alabama is locked down forever I mean you talked about his contract with me before even before the new one he signed like Alabama not a basketball school but you know what the SEC is a good league and they can pay a lot of money so I worried about the future of the ACC I, I think this is maybe a little bit of a you know Leonard Hamilton and throw them in there too they're another team that has been typically pretty good now they're god-awful so I don't think it'll be this bad for for long but the days of it being the superior league, I don't, I don't see that happening in the future. It's still at this point, it's just, I mean, the only thing reason it's mentioned is because of, of the brands that are within that. But those brands, including the one I cover, is, is not what it once was. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, first of all, a couple of things come to mind. One, there are certain programs that it's like when they have the right coach, like it can flip overnight, right? So I live in L.A., uh, USC USC football, it was like in two seconds, they were awesome again. They went from irrelevant for a decade to awesome again. Um, and that's kind of where, like, I'm curious, maybe more so about North Carolina than Duke. Like, I don't really know what to make of Duke. They have had a lot of injuries in their defense, but it's like North Carolina, like, I actually really enjoyed being around Hubert Davis at the Final Four last year. I thought he was, like, really sharp and smart and interesting and funny. But they're 15-9 and nine as we record right now. They went, I think, 23 and eight in the regular season last year. So that's, you know, 38 and 17 or like, like he's winning like 65% of his games or something like that in the regular season in college basketball. And he's doing it by the way, with a veteran older team, I guess they're the one that's like more interesting to me is like, I'm not saying he's going to get fired or anything like that. It's just like, but North Carolina, like North Carolina was the one, let me just say this. And I've said it a million times. 
They're the ones. Go get somebody real. Like like Duke, okay, I get it. It's a small school brand. Keep the, the coach. North Carolina has won over multiple decades with multiple different coaches, multiple regimes, multiple whatever. Um, and I'm not saying Heber Davis can't eventually be that guy, but it's like I just feel like there was somebody out there for them to go get to keep them at that like uber elite level where every single year they're competing. They're just kind of like boring and uninteresting to me, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And Hubert Davis, you know, he did make that run in the tournament, but it also led to people forgetting that they were, they were not a very good team last year and they should have been a lot better. I, um, you and I have been on the same page about Carolina. Carolina is the kind of job that, is I mean to me the best jobs in the sport. Kentucky's the best in my opinion. I would say Carolina, Kansas, and that's it. And I and I think there's a little bit of a separation there. So they could have offered the job to a Jay Wright, who of course has since retired. Offered it to Mark Few, and I'm not saying those guys would have come, but if they did, nobody would be surprised because it's North Carolina. So yeah, I, I the, we knew Coach K was going to give it to a Dukey, and and really Coach K, Duke is his program. He is the reason Duke basketball is what it is today. With Carolina, you could get anybody, and they just decided to me they took a very – like I was much more critical of Carolina taking that route than than Duke doing something similar. But, yeah, Car- like when Carolina is – you know, it's Carolina and Duke. Man. Neither of those two teams are, are, are towards the top, and it's not that uncommon. I mean, that's actually happened maybe more than people realize. But the, the league – is it is I hate to say this is only going to be as strong as those two teams typically are. I mean, if you're going to be viewed as a, a conference that is towards the top in the sport, even if you've got some teams like Louisville, maybe they make a resurgence at some point. Virginia, Florida State, but like I think if those two teams continue to be sort of irrelevant, like they are right now in the grand scheme of things in college basketball, I feel like that will always be a bad look for the league. Even if they did happen to have other good teams, which they don't this year. I'm not. I'm not I think Miami's the best team in I the ACC so this year. And NC I don't State, you know, my boy Keats, he's back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Act so, like he never you know, left. He, 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 even Pitt, you know, is is not a good team, but like I could see them, you know, upsetting somebody in the tournament. I could see them losing anybody too. But yeah, it's when those kind of teams are emerging as your as your best teams, you know, I I, I don't think that that speaks well for where the league actually is. Two quick kind of follow-ups and I want to get to some other stuff. One, when do you think we're gonna to get to the world in college basketball that we're at in college football, where it's just like, if a guy's good enough, just go pay whatever, right? Like Brian Kelly, it's just like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. 10 million, you know, 10 years, 10, 10 million a year. That's fine. Cause like North Carolina, and maybe Texas is the one, but like North Carolina feels like a kind of job where it's just like, just go pay whatever, just go do whatever. And, and I'm surprised that in this world where there's so much TV money, and I know the ACC has less and the big 12 has this and the PAC 12 has that. It's like I am surprised that that somebody hasn't just made like the absurd Brian Kelly Lincoln Riley offer to somebody, and maybe Texas is the one that does it. They're headed yeah. to the SEC. They have all. I, I just it's weird because I feel like most college basketball programs are still operating like, or you know, most athletic departments are still operating college basketball like it's 1998, whereas college football it's like 2040, and we're just like pay anybody. Mel Tucker nine million a year for nine wins. Okay, yeah, no big deal. Um, I just find it interesting, and I know basketball doesn't generate the revenue that football does, but at the same time, you got to spend the money somewhere, and basketball does produce revenue in most places. I find that very interesting. Yeah, I, I think you know it, Louisville, for example, um, they're they're going to need a new coach at some point, and <laughs> I don't think it'll happen this year. But if they, they like, you're going to have to go pay a ton of money to get somebody, and that's and and in 
I bring them up because they are an example of the U of L, the University of Louisville, and this city. They can't sustain this. Like they, Louisville basketball can't be at this level without some. I mean, it's it would have a damaging effect on 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 this city and this in this university. It, it's not you know, it's 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 pretty bad here, and we can get to that later. But my point is, there are certain programs that that's what they're going to have to do, and like Texas, they'll probably be the first because they can, I and they it wouldn't even be a huge deal for them to throw a crazy amount of money because they happen to have crazy amounts of money but no i mean i I, i'll throw it back at you with this because i think that's a good point about like when are we going to see schools just saying look whatever it takes we'll get it done because it's that important to us i'm not sure who those coaches are like maybe 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 that would be happening if there were up and coming guys that just look like wow um whatever it takes to get this guy here we're going to do it like um Jerome Tang, maybe if he has another good year next year and one of these big jobs open up, but like because he's at Kansas State, you could probably pay him a little bit more of a raise and he'd want to come up. He'd want to, he would leave. So um, I, I, I think it felt like there was a time in college basketball, and I guess it's really just because of what Brad Stevens and Shaka Smart did with those unexpected runs to the final four, but it felt like we had a really good crop of young coaches that it felt like we're going to be the new guys. And I don't even, I mean, I don't have a clue who any of those coaches are right now. Not to say there aren't good coaches, but it's just, it's different, man. It, 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 it It's it's not what it once was. I'd say Nate Oates, he's still under 50. Yeah. Um, Must. Chris Beard was there for a minute. Um, I don't think he's ever probably coaching college basketball again. Um, but here's the Eric thing, though. Eric Musselman, right? for sure. Yeah, Eric Musselman, for sure. Although Muss is like, significantly older than most people realize. Like, I think he's late fifties. Like when Kentucky fans say that that's who they want to replace John Calipari, when John Calipari retires, I think Eric Musselman, let me look it up really quick. Eric Musselman's 58 years old. He's going to be 59 this year. Like he's been around a minute. Um, But yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. But what I do think is obvious is like, there are guys, whether it is Mus, whether, and, and this isn't the young per- aspect of it, but Bruce Pearl, Eric Musselman, Nate Oates, Chris Beard before all that stuff, maybe Mick Cronin. Like there are guys that have figured out this new world and are still able to have success every single year. Um, And so I think we'll get there eventually. I was going to ask you, dude, you know what? Let's just do the Louisville conversation right now. Let's just let's just (laughs) go ahead. Go ahead. So here's the thing. I've known you for years. I think we probably about seven, eight years now. Um, You are somebody by nature who is very reasoned and patient you're like me like like you look at both sides of the coin try to be fair you know you get called a kentucky homer because you're you won't go all in on calipari every time he loses a game so why i bring it up for you to have gone over the last probably six to eight weeks as hard as you have on kenny Payne and the coaching staff that's there now it means to me that it's it's probably way worse to watch on a daily basis than us that just kind of see the scores. Like, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a Louisville game probably since December because I knew they were bad and life is too short and I don't have to watch them every day. So you're a reasoned person by nature. So the fact that you have gone this hard on Kenny Payne and his staff, it probably speaks to me that it's probably even worse than than I think it is from the outside. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is, and I guess, it's probably well known because it's not become a storyline within the college basketball season, but it is, it is, it's now known that Louisville's not just having a down year. They are having, I mean, right now, Aaron, they are 301 in the Ken Palm. And if they fall past 
302 to 303, they will be the worst team from a Power Six conference in the history of the Ken Palm formula in the last 20 years. Wow. They broke a record for losses in a season. They have 21 or 22 losses. Now that's the most losses ever. And w- what really has got – and I'll be honest with you, man. I- I've had a tough time with this team because I don't I- – I typically – like you said, I think you and I both sort of live in the middle ground where we can see, but we don't have to have be completely one side or the other side on things. We can kind of, you know, exist in the middle and see both sides of it. Nobody thought Louisville was going to be good this year. Not, not sure. a person, no one. Totally agree. But there should not be this bad. There's no, there's no reason for it. And at every, you know, Kenny has really just misread what this job is from top to bottom. And, what you hear people say, it's such a crutch. It is such a, um, it's just, it, it's something people throw out there. I think more as a figure of speech, but it's the truth. He is in over his head. You know, Louisville was dealing with similar, you know, situations that Memphis was dealing with. What did Penny Hardaway do? Despite defying the NCAA and playing an ineligible player, uh, he went out and got the number one transfer in the country in Kendrick Davis. Uh, you know, look at what LSU did. They brought they brought a whole new team together, and they were facing more violations. So, you know that that's been used as an excuse by a lot of people. But even if I wanted to grant you every excuse that you could throw out there, because look, it's it's valid. Louisville did have a cloud, and the roster that he inherited was not very good. All that stuff's valid. But again, even if I'm granting you all that, you still shouldn't be this bad to where you have losses to Lipscomb, Bellarmine, uh, Appalachian State. Um, I mean, who else beat them? Wright State got them. I mean, they are they are really bad, and um, it just doesn't look like he has much of a plan. Um, you know, he thought. Well, I shouldn't speak for him, but given the way it played out, Aaron, he thought he was going to show up and recruit at Louisville under that situation and get the same results he got when he was recruiting for John Calipari at Kentucky. Which no knock on him as a recruiter there, but that's. That's a pretty good gig to have because you're selling something that is very valuable that people want to be in the NBA and play for John Calipari at a program like Kentucky. And what what Kenny did is that he went after the big names in the portal, the Malachi Smith who transferred to Gonzaga, the Tyrese Hunter who transferred from Iowa State to Texas. Um, you know, he went Courtney Ramey who I believe ended up at Arizona. Arizona is that yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, those are guys that you know he went after. He didn't call the guards at Colgate. He didn't call, and it was just clearly. It, if he just owned up and admitted that that was a misread and he misread the situation, well, we'd let still me be jump in on that though, real quick. Let me jump in on that really quick because a couple things. One, um, first of all, like I actually heard Jimbo Fisher say this. I thought it was brilliant, and it speaks to like the the mind of of college coaches and always be recruiting. But like Jimbo Fisher in the middle of the year this past year, like when everything was going bad. And he was still getting recruits. People were like, well, how are you doing this? And, you know, we know what the insinuation was. He goes, he goes, I have the most valuable commodity that I could possibly have. He's like, I have playing time to give out. We're not good right now. These guys all want to play. They can come and play next year right away. And so that like, I I don't like, I, I actually, I don't think that's an excuse at all. Now, does Gonzaga have something to offer, compete for a national championship, all that? Yeah, of course. But it shouldn't like, like that was what stood out to me was that, that, in the portal, and I don't know every player that they contacted and who was realistic and who wasn't, but a couple things stand out. One, first of all, you're known as a recruiter, Kenny Payne. You hire Nolan Smith from Duke, who's known as a recruiter. Um, 
Danny Manning is a former head coach. So Danny Manning's supposed to be like, hey, I'm an X's and O's guy. I'll help you adjust on the court. But off the court, you're supposed to have two elite recruiters. So that's what stood out to me is like, how did you do so bad in the portal and come in with such an untalented team this season? Because again, I, I get that you're competing with everybody and, and some guys are going to go certain places, but it's like, I also feel like you have a lot of playing time to give. You're in the ACC. You're playing in an NBA arena. I don't know. I just, I, I can't believe it went that bad. And to your point, other guys have pulled it off and other, by the way, First year head coaches, you know, I'm trying to think Jerome Tang's a perfect example, you know, um, um, whoever Sean Miller got guys out of the portal. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, that's not really an excuse. I I, I get that. Again, if you lose a player to Gonzaga, it's going to happen, but it's like, I don't know. It kind of feels like to me, I don't know. It's just, it's just really bad. That's I, I guess. Is the only Ken, Kenny, there were, we knew his story. He played at Louisville, was a recruiter for Calipari forever never pursued head coaching, and then, of course, he got to the Knicks and was really content. So I think what we learned is we didn't actually know for sure who we were hiring, right? You'd never seen him be a head coach elsewhere. You didn't really know a lot. You just assumed he was going to do things the way Cal did, and I think he actually is now, but he doesn't have the players to actually to do it. But, you know, Kenny was not willing to really embrace NIL. I mean, there were recruits mm -hmm. that said on the record that when NIL came up, Kenny said, if that's what you want to talk about, then this isn't the place for you. And like, we thought Kenny would be the opposite, that he would be the guy that's all, let's, you know, let's everybody get a bag kind of thing. Um, and he just isn't, he hasn't done that. And his current class, Aaron, I mean, he's got guys coming in. They had a guy from Nigeria join the team midseason this year that nobody's ever heard of. He didn't have any offers. They just took a Juco kid who's not in the top 100 in the JUCO rankings, and again, Oof. this is this is with the cloud not removed. This is with the cloud removed, and this is what he's bringing in. So, you know, he's now selling us about patience, process, and he wants dream chasers. It's not about nil. It's not a you know. He, he's saying those kind of things, and I think he's just saying it because he doesn't know what else to say. But that's not why Kenny was believed to be a big recruiter. I mean, or big candidate. The, the, the scenario where Louisville was going to hire a guy who's never been a first year, who's never been a head coach before, was one, he's a former player, so you feel like he would love it and want to be here and know what it takes to win here. Also, he is going to bring you talent that, yeah, maybe he cuts his teeth as a coach and you see some real weaknesses as a X's and O's guy early on. But you know what, man? He's going to bring in so much talent that it won't really matter that much. That's why I was saying, okay, if I can get Matt McMahon at Murray State, or Kenny Payne, I think I'll take Kenny Payne. If I can get uh, Greg Gard, who won it out of Wisconsin, or I can get Kenny Payne, you know what? I think the ceiling's higher with Kenny because, again, he's going to be raw, but, man, he's energetic. He's going to go get players, and he just hasn't done that. You know, I get I get a lot of heat when I say this, but I think it's true. The cloud of the NCAA uncertainty and all that stuff is gone. There's a new cloud, and that is that you've got a first-year head coach that's going to end the season with three, maybe four wins, and that is going to be hard to sell players to come and play. Yes, you can sell playing time, but I don't know. I, I, they're not having many recruits on campus, Aaron, because they the arena is empty, and it's not a good look for Louisville basketball. So um, I think I think next year's roster has a chance to get to be worse, which I think would then put wow. this thing into it, it put this thing in. I mean, think about it. They're gonna you know, they have some talented players that aren't going to stick around. There's not a player on this team that if they left, anybody would be surprised. And right now. He's going to have the chance to hit the portal hard. And there are examples of coaches that have been unsuccessful with their future in doubt, and they went out and loaded up in the portal. Jeff Capel's done it. Kevin Keats did it. Um, um, there's a few other teams in the ACC that have done it. Hell, um, looking at Missouri, I mean, they, 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 sure. they did it. That was so, a good example, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and there's teams that, I mean, hell, even Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest's best player is a transfer from the D3 level. So Kenny will have the chance to go do that. But my worry is that if you're going to go get the caliber players needed to get this thing back on track, you know, they're going to have other options as well. And are they going to go play for a coach that has three wins and, you know, one year as a head coach, he doesn't have a, a five-year stint elsewhere to, to lean back on. So I, I know I sound insanely pessimistic. And, you know, I don't want to be gloom as doom. I'm just being realistic with people. I think Louisville will be worse next year than this year. And I know that's that's hard to imagine. I mean, and, uh, that's hard to envision. But that's my biggest fear is that everybody knocks these current players and they got to take some accountability as well. But L. Ellis will go play 25 minutes for, for really anybody. He won't be a star, but he'll play. Jalen Withers can play a little bit. Uh, Mike James is actually having a good freshman season. I'm not saying those guys are good enough for you to win. But they'll have they'll have options elsewhere, and I don't think you're going to bring in players that are that are better than those guys. And that goes back to the initial part of this, and I'll end with this: nobody thought Louisville was going to be good. People aren't being unfair to Kenny. What would you expect? I didn't expect it to be very good this year. I thought they'd be more competitive. They'd probably have a losing record, but nobody expected them to be quite literally not an exaggeration. One of the worst teams in America. I know you're not a big numbers guy with the net and the Ken Palm, but they are. It's not. They're not just bad for a Power Six program. They're bad, bad. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Very good. couple quick things. We'll get you out of here. couple quick things. One, you obviously being in Kentucky. Give me the quick cow spiel. Like on, on a scale of one is, you know, Kentucky fans have never been happier to 10 being the day after South Carolina where you, you lost to probably the second worst team in power conference of basketball. Where are we at right now? Because it's a little bit of a roller coaster, and I'll readily admit, and I've talked about it on the show, I was the, okay, I was the, first of all, I was the, yes, he's struggling, but you can't, but, but there's no guarantee that you'll do better. Then I went all the way to the other extreme of when they lost to UCLA and all that. It's like, well, at a certain point, somebody has to be better than this. And then I'm kind of back in the middle of, he gives you a chance to win at the highest level every single year, and I'm just never going to call for his job again. And I did earlier this year. Uh, I, uh, you or the fan, uh, the 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 community around you, like like what is the scale right now? Admittedly, we're recording right after a bad loss at home. What is the scale there? What makes it so fascinating is that it's really not a realistic option to fire him. It's sure. just not. So that changes everything. I think if the fans could snap their fingers and have a different coach, I think they probably would just because even it, and it's, it's results are clearly a factor, but at the same point in time, it's more of this is just kind of run its course. And mm-hmm. I think right now after the Arkansas loss, which isn't a bad loss, it still doesn't, it doesn't really change in my opinion, much about their tournament chances, but that team got, got punked a little bit. They kind of, it, it, to me, they just, they kind of quit in the second half of that game. And it, it just looks like Cal. I thought Drew Franklin of KSR said it best. Cal, after that game, the way he acted, it was almost like he was 
I mean, it was almost like he was he wants to be told to leave and he'll take his check and be on his way out. He, he did a five minute radio interview or a post game interview and then, um, you know, bailed, did one segment of it. And he just seems it just seems really, really done. And I think. There are fans that, that will never forget when it was rolling with Cal, right? Like when yeah. he was he had he had swagger. He was getting any player he wanted. They were consistently getting to the final four. It was a bigger surprise if they weren't there. They'll never forget that and cherish that, and they kind of want that guy back. But I think they now at this point have just accepted Cal's going to do things his way. He's yeah. the most stubborn coach in America. He's not going to adapt. He's not really going to take much accountability. Um, in fact, I think this year he's kind of been a little defiant. Like he knows what's said about him. He knows what's you know that there's been criticism, and he feels. I mean, I think it was one one of the um, college basketball insiders at twenty four seven Sports that said that if, if Texas could offer you know a contract, you know, you know he would he would take it. He would leave. And, and I know they had a win against Tennessee since then, and that did at least bring them back to life a little bit. But I think it'd be totally different if, in fact the fans, the community in this area realistically felt like there was a chance he could get fired. That's not happening. Like that sure. just isn't. So I think that's just led to like, all right, we're kind of stuck with him. We know the guy can be better than what this is, but that, that requires him to maybe reevaluate some things and change a little bit. And he's just not going to do that. Agree with everything you said really quick. Um, you covered Rick Patino for a million years. I've been on this Patino to St. John's thing. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I am like a little bit of a, a, uh, I'm a little bit of a, um, I don't know what the right word is, but the St. John's community loves me right now because I'm pushing this, I think <laughs> harder than anybody. It's a small community, but I, it, I, it's a very vocal community. Do you think there's any chance, or you, I think you might still know some people maybe around his camp. Do you think there's any chance he's either there? Do you think he's going to be at the power five at any point before he retires? He's, he's now over 70. So it's worth noting, like. You know, he doesn't have 15, 20 years left. Do you think he'll ever be at the Power Five? And and will my premonition about St. John's ever come true? Absolutely. And St. John's, of course, would be a would be a perfect fit for him and he would he would thrive there. I, I'm surprised it's I remember when the Chris Beard that stuff happened when he got fired, Aaron, and I thought to myself, are people bringing up Rick Patino's name to be funny and joke? Like, why is that not a serious thing? Yes, he's not, you know. He's not young and he's not going to be around a whole long time, like you mentioned, but like he's maybe the best coach currently coaching in the game, at least one of them for sure. So um, I, if you're St. John's, you're not going to risk. I mean, he was fully vindicated and he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of, I mean, to me, it'd be a no brainer. I think Georgetown can do the same thing. I know uh, Rick's son, um, Ryan, I believe is his name is lives in DC and graduated from Georgetown. So um, I think one of these big East schools will be the one that says, all right, let's bring him in. And he won't be insanely expensive. And I think he'll have success. And if St. John's opens up, which are they having a rough year again? They're awful. They they literally every game are up like 15 points and blow every single game. They were and up. They at, shouldn't, and they shouldn't be this bad, right? They actually have legitimately good players that Mike Anderson is their coach. Uh, we have some Arkansas fans listening to this show. They, they have lived the Mike Anderson experience. It's brutal. He's getting fired after. I'll just say this. He's getting fired after this year. He might the way it's trending. I don't I think he legitimately might not make it till the finish line. Um but I don't think the powers that be at St. John's have the you know what to bring in Rick Pitino, which makes no sense, cleared by the NCAA. Um and all but also also in New York. He's in New York. Literally doesn't have and to he, move. He, Go ahead. Him being he is one of the he is one of the few coaches left 
that wherever he's at outside of a place like Iona, he is going oh, yeah. to bring you so much value and just presence well, like St. John's has not had in decades. People have heard me say this, but I don't think people realize St. John's plays like three games a year now at Madison Square Garden. And basically, it's only when the other team is going to bring fans. So it's Villanova because, you know, Villanova was an elite team prior to this season. UConn and like, I don't know, but they're playing like three to four games there a year right now. Nobody goes to those games. Patino, they're back, baby. They're so freaking back. Oh, if you absolutely. Goes. Like, oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it's funny. I had John Jastrzemski, you know, from New York on the show. I'll just say this too, is like, I, it's another one of those fan, like people say, oh, this fan base stinks. There's a lot of really great fan bases, but when you haven't won for 20 years, I don't think people realize like, the entire city of New York would embrace it. Uh, I know you got to run real quick. You got a you got a Super Bowl take before we get out of here. Super Bowl take. Yes, yes. I a uh, couple things. One, I don't know what it is, but I hate the Chiefs. Hate <laughs> uh, they've not done anything to me, but I have interest in this game because I just anybody but the Chiefs. So I'm all in. Let's uh, let's go, Birds. And I think Jalen Hurts is the only quarterback in the NFL that can actually claim that he's been truly disrespected sure. for a while. He was a good, really good quarterback at Bama. Oh, well, that's just because any quarterback can win at Bama. And that was before, of course, Saban started getting really good quarterbacks. Lost his job to Tua, goes to Oklahoma. Well, come on, Lincoln Riley. Look at what he does. Anybody can do that. Gets to the NFL, was surprisingly picked where he was, took the Eagles to the playoffs. In his and first by the way, people starter. got mad when they used a draft pick oh, yeah. on him in that spot because they had Carson Wentz. Continue. Yep. And, and and now here he is uh, leading the best team in the NFL. I'll give him this. He does have a really good roster around him. There's no doubt about that. They are – the Eagles are built to where he doesn't have to do a ton, but he makes plays. And I just – I like the way he carries himself, man. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan, so that's what I'm pulling for on, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm a big Hurts fan. I was anti-Chiefs until the AFC Championship game. I had this big take of if Joe Burrow beats Mahomes four times in a row, then Joe Burrow is officially the best quarterback in the league. And then I was watching Mahomes on, on one leg throwing darts through six defenders. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't need to be anti-Mahomes. And he, you know, he, he's, he's not Kyrie. Yeah, he's not Kyrie Irving over here. Like, he's never done anything that that really has me reason to dislike him. But tell you what, Nick Coffee, you got to run. Coffee and Company, 790 Sports Talk in Louisville. By the way, we didn't get you have you have a a, a scolding hot Matt Painter take that we're gonna have to save for next time. It, it, you you send it to me I'll, via text. It cracked me. I up, will so. have it ready for you. I will have the Matt Painter takes ready for you. All right, uh, Nick Coffee, seven ninety uh, sports talk. Appreciate the time, man. We'll do it soon. Okay. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. First of all, thank you, Nick Coffey, my good friend. He is awesome. Love Nick Coffey. Love what he does. Love the energy that he brings to this show. Good friend of mine. Make sure to check out his show in Louisville, 790 Sports Talk. Nick Coffey is awesome as always. But now it is time to wrap with America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. We do it every Friday to wrap the show uh, you guys know the drill by now. Stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. I decided to bring it to the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast for one very simple reason. That reason being pretty straightforward. It is that over the course of a week, a month, a year, no one gives out hot sports takes quite like your boy Torres. Okay. Torres said this. Torres said that. 
Why didn't you listen to Taurus? Taurus, 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 Taurus. I never shut up. Here's the problem, though. When you give out a lot of sports opinions, you get a lot of stuff wrong, too. And so that's why we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. To celebrate some of the things that I say that are right. And to, of course, uh, highlight the fact that I get a lot of stuff wrong, too. So let's get into it. We're going to start with the NBA stuff from the last couple days. Didn't do a full segment on it, but it felt appropriate to do it here. So let's get into it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So I said, I I know the exact moment in time where I knew the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving situation in Brooklyn was destined to fail. It was actually about two weeks before they signed in Brooklyn when the reports started coming out that they were set to sign in Brooklyn. And if you remember at the time, Take yourself back to that moment. It was the summer of 2019. Kevin Durant just hurt himself, unfortunately, in the NBA Finals. But for about a year, you had heard Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to team up, and they're going to go to the Knicks, and they are going to be the two dudes to revive the New York Knicks franchise. And I said at the time, listen, I I never loved KD's move to Golden State, but if you're going to leave Golden State, I get the move to play for the New York Knicks. That's the historic play if you are the dude that elevates the New York freaking Knicks, you are an icon forever. I always expected that move. I always respected that move. Just one problem. The second that I heard that they were going to Brooklyn, what that said to me was that Kyrie Irving was calling the shots, that this this is not why you leave Golden State. You don't leave Golden State to go to Brooklyn. You go to Golden State to go to MSG, to play in New York, to play in the world's most famous arena and elevate that organization. The second that They said they were going to go to Brooklyn. I knew they were screwed. I knew that Kyrie Irving was calling the shots. I knew that Kevin Durant was along for the ride. And as we have found out over the last 10 years, when Kyrie Irving is calling the shots, most stuff fails. I knew it would. I didn't know it'd be quite that bad. They finished with one playoff win as an organization in the KD Kyrie era where Aaron was right. It was doomed from the beginning where Aaron was wrong. Really twofold. One, I'll just be blunt. When I heard the Kyrie Irving trade demand last Friday, my immediate reaction was, well, this guy's just trying to leverage Brooklyn to get a new deal done before the deadline. I said it on Twitter. I said it on my radio show. I said, I don't think they're actually going to trade him. I I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they're going to keep him. They're in fourth place in in the conference right now. Why would you get rid of him even if he wants to get traded? You tell him you want that contract, you earn it. You want that contract, get us to the playoffs because that was the thing that stood out about Brooklyn this season before the trade deadline. They were in fourth place. They were set to host a playoff series. That's also, by the way, what makes it so inexcusable that Kyrie Irving asked for the trade demand. This is, listen, I'm not a fan of trade demands ever. I'm old school and I believe like when you sign a contract, you should actually live up to it until the end of the contract. But I understand why certain guys have decided to demand trades when the situation gets really bad. AD, Anthony Davis in New Orleans. I get that. I don't agree with it, but I understand why he did it. He was there 8, 9, 10 years. It wasn't going well. They weren't doing anything to help him, whatever. But Kyrie and the the Nets were in fourth place. That is selfish. That is unacceptable. But I'll be blunt. I was dead wrong. I didn't think the Nets were going to do it. I thought they were going to stand firm. I thought they were going to say, sorry, Kyrie, you want that contract? Go ahead and go ahead and earn it. Instead, They decided, you know what, enough is enough. We cannot deal with this guy anymore. It obviously leads to Kyrie going to Dallas, KD going to Phoenix, and it will be fascinating to watch as KD now a Phoenix son who could imagine that. 
let's kind of flip gears a little bit, get back into some of the more traditional stuff, and let's get to why Aaron was wrong. So, when the Texas-Oklahoma news broke at the 2021 SEC Media Days that they were headed to the SEC, I said the Big 12 ain't going to let them out of that contract before 2025. There was too much. Texas and Oklahoma are the Big 12. Most of all of the revenue in the TV contract comes from Texas and Oklahoma and more specifically Texas and Oklahoma football. So the day that it was announced they were leaving, you saw reporters trying to say, oh, they're going to get out of the contract way before. I said there's 0% chance because the Big 12 kind of needs them. I was dead wrong on that. I got to own it. But let's get to where Aaron was right because over the last couple weeks, what I could also say is that it became increasingly clear that everybody was ready to move on from this marriage. It was bad. It was weird. It was awkward. But more importantly, as I explained earlier in the show, what ended up happening was that the Big 12 stabilized itself. They got the right commissioner. They got the TV contract that they wanted. They added four teams. And so the one thing you did not want is to keep Texas and Oklahoma in the conference in 2024 and then have one of them win the conference and go to the college football playoff. So as soon as the contract got set, the TV deal for the Big 12, as soon as we went to a 12-team playoff, I said Texas and Oklahoma, the Big 12 wants them out of that conference ASAP. So I'm not surprised that this ultimately got done. I will readily admit, the day that Oklahoma and Texas left for the Big 12, left the Big 12 for the SEC, I said, oh, they are not going to get out of that contract early. But as time went on, it became increasingly clear that that was the right move. Let's keep it going where Aaron was right. Earlier in the week, we talked the Jaden Rashada situation at Florida. Just a sad situation overall. I feel bad for the kid. Uh, he was caught in the middle of adults that didn't know what they were doing from his camp, from Florida's camp. He's just a 19-year-old kid that wants to play ball. But where I was right, I told you from the beginning, listen, I'm not anti-players getting paid. I've never been anti-players getting paid. But what I said was there has to be some structure. There has to be some guardrails because if not, you know what's going to happen? Unscrupulous adults are going to get involved. It's going to become about the money and it's not going to become about the best interests of the kid. Now, oftentimes it can be both about the money and the best interests of the kid, right? Bryce Young signed great NIL deals this year. CJ Stroud signed great NIL deals this year. The reports are that Oscar Shibway at Kentucky, he's a foreign student, but when he's allowed to take advantage of NIL, he's making millions of dollars that's changing his family's life. But that's structure. That's in place. There's a plan there. What you can't do is just have the wild, wild west, which is where we where we are right now. I'm not anti-players getting paid. I'm not, I'm not trying to stifle the market. But I do hope that we can get some some of this under control. Otherwise, you're going to see a lot of stories like Jaden Rashada where kids get used, abused, and spit out by the adults in their life. Where Aaron was wrong. So I saw an interesting piece of news on Thursday that Charlie Strong, longtime football coach at Louisville, at Texas, he had been at Miami, and he actually left Miami, and it was a very weird situation. And so why I bring it up, I thought Mario Cristobal was going to be great at Miami. He has largely been a disaster so far, and you can't tell me, oh, it's the first year. Well, guess what? Year one, Sonny Dykes played for a national championship at TCU. Year one, Lincoln Riley played for a Pac-12 title at USC. Year one, Brian Kelly played for an SEC title at, at uh, LSU. Year one at Miami, Mario Cristobal went five and seven. But here's the crazy part. It got so bad, he had to fire his offensive coordinator. His defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, just left for Alabama, and then, oh, by the way, 
the guy that they were planning to replace him with, Charlie Strong, they decide to go out externally, hire somebody else. Charlie Strong gets offended and he leaves. So I will just say this as a first year head coach. It's never good when you have to fire your offensive coordinator, when your defensive coordinator leaves, and when one of the most well-respected coaches in the sport leaves on his own because he feels disrespected by you. It's not to say that Mario Cristobal can't turn it around. It's not to say that he won't be great at some point in Miami. I thought this was going to click, and I thought it was going to happen fast. Remember, they also returned a lot of talent, including Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback. It was a complete disaster at Miami so far. Really quickly, little college hoops where Aaron was right. The Arkansas Razorbacks. Listen, I told you, everyone wanted to kept asking me, Torres, are you worried about Arkansas? They lost this game. They lost that game. They're this. They're that. They're whatever. Here's the bottom line. I said, look, let's get to February. Let's see where they are. I trust Coach Must to figure it out as the season goes on. Two years ago, it happened. Last year, it happened. This year, I knew it was going to happen because there was too much talent in that locker room for that coaching staff not to figure it out. Well, Arkansas has now won five straight SEC games. They won at Rupp Arena, and they are going to potentially get back Nick Smith Jr. this weekend, a potential lottery pick who has been out for most of the season with injury. I'm just telling you, Arkansas is hot, and there's the possibility that they get better over the next couple weeks. Be careful. Arkansas, they're getting hot just like I told you they would. Finally, where Aaron was wrong, North Carolina Tar Heels. Listen, they were my preseason national championship pick. I told you not to worry about, uh, you know, everybody said, oh, they just got hot late in the season. I said, no, no, no. They were really good the final two months. They were. I thought it would translate to this year. Well, they have now lost three straight games. They are sitting at 15 and nine overall. They already have more regular season losses than they had all of last year. They already have more ACC losses than all of they had last year. And it's just trending in the wrong direction. I can't tell you exactly what's wrong. I shared some thoughts on Wednesday, on Thursday's show. We talked about the guard play. We talked about Pete Nance replacing Brady Manick. But it has been a complete disaster. Could not have seen it coming. But North Carolina is a complete disaster. And I was dead wrong on that. And that's where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Quickly, I'd be remiss. Big game this weekend. Super Bowl, Eagles and Chiefs. Eagles and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It's a big game. It's a fun game. I hope everybody has fun doing whatever it is that you are doing to celebrate the Super Bowl. But let's just give you my pick really quick. Eagles now a one and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. I'll just be blunt. Give me KC on the money line. KC on the money line is my official pick. They are plus 105, so it's not as though you're going to get rich by betting it. But let me just explain really quickly why I like KC to win the Super Bowl. The bottom line remains straightforward. Here it is, is that if you remember this arc, if you will, of KC, it, it, it hasn't been total smooth sailing. They win a Super Bowl in the second year of the Mahomes-Reed era. But if you remember the following year, they went back to the Super Bowl. They were heavy favorites against Tom Brady and the Bucs. And they got smacked. And not only did they get smacked, they got smacked along the offensive line and the defensive line. I just don't think they were ready to play. I don't think Patrick Mahomes knew what was coming his way. So because of it, I think this year, they know how good that Eagles defensive front is. They know that if they don't come in locked in, ready to go, Andy Reid knows if I don't come in with a game plan to get that ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands quick, he's going to get destroyed back there. So that's part of it. Two, I'd add, listen, we talked about it with Nick Coffey. I love the Jalen Hurts story. Here's my concern. 
Jalen Hurts looks hurt. Now, could he be better since the end of the, the, the NFC Championship game? Of course. But he has not looked great in the last two playoff games. The defense and the run game has carried him. But when he's had to make throws, it's been a little bit sloppy, and it's it, he just hasn't looked right. So, in the end, I think the Chiefs step up. I think Mahomes proved that he can play on one foot, which he did in the AFC Championship game. And I think they learned a lot from that Super Bowl two years ago against Tampa. Give me the Chiefs 24-14. to 14. The Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl champion. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on, on not only social media, make sure you're following the YouTube channel. YouTube, closing in on 21K, past 20K earlier this month. Let's get to 21K. Thank you guys and girls for your support. Follow on social media, and that is all. All for today's show. I'm going to get out of here. Going to go watch some college hoops. It is late on a Thursday, but I am so glad we got that Texas-Oklahoma story. What a story it is. So with that said, shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Monday. New episode, Aaron Torres, Sports Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.